Brothers and sisters, we've, we've worshipped the Lord this morning in song, and we've worshipped Him in giving, and now we're going to worship Him as we go into His Word together. Um, bow your heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much. Thank You, uh, Lord, for Mike Choby uh, being a part of our service. Lord, so excited to have him lead worship today, and thank You for Tim, Lord, helping out with the memory verse. We just thank You for the partnership with these guys. and Lord, we thank You for this book of Philippians. Lord, it's been perfect timing uh, to go through this book together in this season as we're, season that we're going through as a nation. So we ask you to speak to us this morning from your word. And Lord, we ask you to change us, change us from the inside out, and we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to finish this, this passage this morning. We're reading from Philippians chapter 2 and going to focus on, on verses 5 to 11 this morning. Um, but I want to start out a little bit with a, another story. Um, when I first got married, it was 1993, married Mar- my, my wife, Mary Ellen. Um, and Mary Ellen, she had, I, I knew that she had a heart for missions. And she actually had a couple of girlfriends that they would go out. I called them the Three Musketeers. And they, they were going on mission trips all the time in different parts of the world. She, my wife loves to travel. And, um, but they would go on mission together. And so after we were married... Um, I was thinking, you know, I've got I've to go on a mission trip and um, get that out of her blood, so to speak, because I, I wasn't focused on mission. So we, we, a year later from that, year, 1994, we scheduled a trip together, and we went to B- Bolivia uh, with a group of 10 from our church. And, and uh, I remember going on that trip, and it, was, it wasn't an easy trip. We, we started in La Paz, which was about as near to the city as we got, but pretty soon we were on dirt roads and and uh, it was rough terrain, you know, they're, they're, they had places where there were mudslides, and, and uh, so we were, it was, we were roughing it. And I remember um, that first weekend when we were there, uh, I, was, I was grumpy, you know. It was our anniversary was coming up that week, August 7th is our anniversary, and, and um, we're sleeping on straw beds, you know, and, and I was complaining. And my wife rebuked me, and she said, you know, we're on a mission trip here. And, and if you know my wife, my wife's uh, German upbringing, uh, there's no whining. Germans don't whine. And as a matter of fact, when, when I whine, she says, would you like a little cheese with your wine? You know, I mean, that's how she feels about my whining. And so uh, she checked me, put me in check. And I, you know, I, I had a change in my attitude. And one of the things about going on a mission trip is, is it brings out what's in your character. And I realized, I, I, you know, I had the wrong, wrong idea about this trip. And uh, the other part was that we were being separated because... She was doing the medical part of the mission. I was doing the teaching part of the mission. So, you know, all those things came to light. And, you know, I had to check myself. And so my question for, for you this morning is, what about you? What areas in your life do you need to humbly serve others? Maybe you're married. You need to grow in your understanding of the needs of your spouse and, and serving them. God, God made us different, didn't he? If you don't know that, you, you'll find out. It's so easy to think that our way is the best and make the other person adjust versus choosing to seek to understand their needs and to really care for them. Maybe you're single and you're focused on your desires to get married versus serving others with all the time that God has given you. There's a gift to singleness. You're free to do so many things. Maybe you're a leader and you, you, you need to figure out how to humbly serve those that God has called you to lead versus being frustrated that they won't follow your leadership. 
God, maybe you're one of our youth even, and, and you, you, you need to seek to understand how God can use you in the midst of your youthfulness for, for His glory. And lastly, for those that are here and even on the streets of Uptown, you need to grow in your understanding on how you can serve others. We all have something we can do for the Lord. And the Bible speaks to this issue. So turn with me now to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Uh, before I read it, when I preached last Sunday, we focused on the first four verses of this passage. And here's a little bit of summary. We said genuine love for Jesus moves us to genuinely be able to love others. And we said that what we receive out of our relationship with Jesus should impact what we put into our relationship with others. We also talked about that that relationship with Christ should move us towards unity with the body of Christ. And we talked about as the body of Christ, we need to focus on what we have in common versus what we disagree on. We also talked about the two attitudes, the attitudes of unity and selfishness. And we said they can't coexist. One has to give way to the other. And lastly, we talked about our relationship with Jesus, how it can move us towards selfishness, ambitious to humility. And that that relationship with Jesus should produce in us a genuine concern for the needs of others. Now with that said, let's read that passage together, starting with verse 5. The Word of God. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 5 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We, you and I, we need role models on how to relate to people in a Christ-like way. And Jesus is our role model. In the New King James Version, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, it means that knowing Jesus should affect how we think, and how we think should affect how we act. And our attitude affects our, our, attitude affects our behavior, doesn't it? And so to let the mind of Christ be in us, we must humbly and obediently determine our th own thought life. In other words, we can't allow circumstances or other, other things or others to do that for us. I'll say that again. We can't allow circumstances or others to determine our thought life. Instead, we must choose to cause our minds to dwell on those things that bring peace to us and glory to God. And that's why Scripture is so important. You know, we, we talk a lot about knowing the Word of God here at UBC. We talk about reading it, studying it, memorizing it, and meditating on it. Why? Because we know doing these things transform our, transforms our minds. In Romans chapter 12, chapter 2, it puts it this way. It says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is, His good and perfect will. 
Being in the Word of God empowers us in any given situation to have the right attitude and to respond in a godly way. And that's one of the reasons we brought back our, our monthly memory verse. I encourage you, don't stop there. You, know, you want to continue and, and grow in that area. As I was thinking about this, 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 this the idea of memorizing, memorizing Scripture, I, it made me think of my friend Mark Zinke. Mark Zinke is a longtime member here and served here, and, and, and God radically changed his, his, his mind and his heart through the memorization of Scripture. He, when he first became, became a Christian, he got involved with the Navigators uh, group, and, and they focus heavily on, on memorizing Scripture, and Mark just ate it up. I mean, he just got so involved. And I remember when he would come to our elders' meeting and we would ask him to share Sometimes Mark would share an entire chapter or several chapters of a book just off, off, off from memory. And uh, you know, as I thought about it, at one point he was memorizing Psalm 119. Now, for those of you who do not know Psalm, 1, Psalm 19, it's 176 verses. And, and I actually called Mark this week. He helped me out with a, with a, with a thing that I needed to do at the house, and we were talking. I was telling him about this message. He Hopefully, he's checking it out today. I told him about that, that time, and he said, it's funny you mentioned that I'm reflecting on Psalm 119 today. So what a, what a powerful uh, thing memorizing Scripture is. There's a couple scriptures, a couple passages from that Scripture I want to mention. In Psalm 119, uh, one, verse 11, it talks about that I've, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. In another verse, in, in verse 105, it talks about that your, that your word is a, is, is, a, is a light to my path, you know, a guide for my feet. And so you, you get the picture there, that that, that that word, what that does for us. And, and so, you know, as I thought about this and, and the importance of this, I, I couldn't help but think about the situation that happened in Minnesota with George Floyd and, and, and his murder. I mean, they, he, was, he was murdered. And, and, and you know, I, I understand and I feel the same anger and the same frustration that many of the people have felt. And, and, and you know, I know our congregation has felt that. We talked about that last night in prayer. Even in, in we were giving to the Lord. We spent time praying in repentance for, for our police and for our country and, and lifting them up. But the thing that, that, that helps me and helps our congregation is we have the Word of God in us. And because we have the Word of God in us, that keeps us from overstepping those bounds. God says it's okay to be angry but to sin not. And, and so it keeps us from, from overstepping and doing things that we ought not to do. And that's what we've seen happen this week. And my prayer and your prayer should be for, for the Word of God to, to get into those, those, those individuals as they wrestle with that anger and, and lashing out. Brother Amico uh, shared a testimony last night of just such an example of this. And he was talking about being at Social Security office. He's looking for work right now. And he said he had a, a white gentleman about late 60s in, in, on his left and African-American young man on his right. And, and he was waiting in line, keeping a social distance. And he says uh, as, as he was looking, he could see that, that the African-American man, did, he didn't have all the paperwork that he needed. So they kind of excused him, told him to come back. And, and he started packing up his stuff. And then he said, out of nowhere, he ran across and launched and started beating this 69-year-old white man. And, and, and at that point, Amico froze. He said, I didn't know what to do. 
Now, you've got the coronavirus going on. What should I do? And he just felt the Lord said, you've got to get in there and you've got to save this guy and rescue this guy. And so he, he put his hands around this young man, was able to pull them off, pull them to the side, set him, lay, lay down on him, put, put him aside, and, and, and really save this gentleman. And then that gentleman wanted to pick up a chair and go after the young guy. And he said, no, no, we're not. He's trying to break, keep them both from hurting each other. And, and so in this situation, you know, that's just a perfect example right there. You know, we're all angry, and I'm sure that young man, he, that, 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 that white man had nothing to do with what happened in Minnesota. But people are filled with such rage that they're taking them out in strange actions such as that. And, and, and that's, I just thank God that Amika was in the right place at the right time to save, stop that situation. And they were thanking him uh, at the Social Security office for, that, he, that he dove in in that way. So I, I want to challenge us to, to choose the mind of Christ. Uh, by spending, and God's given us more time, by spending private time with the Lord, deepening your experience, relationship with Him, even more now in this trying time, and asking Him to transform us from the inside out. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus' attitude was one of, of humility and self-sacrifice. Verse, verse 6 is wonderful. It, it explains Jesus was fully God, and yet he didn't cling to his rights as God. He willingly gave them up for you and me. I mean, think about that. Are you kidding me? You have the highest position in the universe, and you willingly give it up. I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think you and I would do that. And yet Jesus willingly set aside his glory and submitted to the humiliation of becoming man. The New Living Version says, He made himself nothing, and that he took the humble position of a slave. How many of us would do that? No one. It doesn't make sense, and yet Jesus was willing to humble himself and lower himself to become one of us. Christ voluntarily laid aside his divine rights and privileges out of love for his Father and to identify with us. Paul is stressing in, in the scripture that, that Christ, who had all the privileges and, and they were rightly his as king of the universe, gave them up to become an ordinary Jewish baby bound for the cross. And while he had every right to stay comfortably where he was, a position of power, he, his love drove him to a position of weakness for the sake of sinful mankind. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Focus on that for a minute. In America, we often talk about our rights, don't we? And our culture here can easily, be, can easily impact in, in, uh, our, our Christian life. But as believers, we should have a different attitude, an attitude that enables us to give up our rights for the good of others. I'll give you an example. Right now, our church is giving up our right to physically meet as a church. Why? Well, we're submitting to the governing authorities to flatten the curve, to keep everyone safe. And, and, and we're doing this because we're thinking of others. And we're thinking of you as well. I remember Pastor Nathan, he's been in my pastor's group, and he was talking about what would happen and the reason that he was not going out and going rogue and, and meeting in, in the midst of uh, the governor's decree. He says the reason why 
is how the community, their response, how they would view them. if They just went out and did that. And he says, you know what? If we did that, the community would think, you don't care about us. You don't love us. You're actually putting us in danger. That's how, that's how it would be viewed by the community. And so he says, I want to make sure that we do this when we do it. We do it in the right way. Another example, Mary Ellen and I, as I mentioned last week, are celebrating 27 years of marriage this August. We've learned a lot about giving up our rights in a relationship with each other over the years, the last 27 years. And one specific area um, Mary Ellen learned about me is, is being a handyman. You see, Mary Ellen's dad is, is awesome at fixing things in his home, and he, he, he did his own bathroom. He's fixing things all the time, and, and, and she figured, surely my husband's going to be just like my dad. But she didn't know, I, I in reality, I'm not a handyman. Uh, when something breaks at my home, I let my fingers do the walking. That's Ed, you said people that had the yellow pages know what I'm talking about. The rest of you don't. That is, I call people. I call Clyde G. I call Gary Arkema. I call Mark Zinke. Uh, and so you know, I told her, I said, honey, I don't, I don't fix things. I get others with the proper skills to fix them, and I buy them lunch or pay them or do whatever I need to do. And so my wife eventually had to give up her right to expect me to be like her dad, to be a handyman. And she had to realize, although I don't fix things at home, I have other areas where I'm more gifted to serve her. And so my question for you, brothers and sisters, is what area in your life do you cling to your rights? Is it with your spouse? Is it with your boss? Is it with your children? Is it with the Lord? Maybe, maybe it's an aspect of your relationship with the Lord. Many of you say, Lord, I give my life to you, but you know the pocketbook, that stays with me. So whatever those areas are, being like Jesus means we, being willing to give up our rights and humbly serve others, even when we're not likely to get any recognition for our efforts. And so, in applying this, I want you to choose to be willing to give up your rights where God calls you to, to ask the Lord, where do, you, where do I need to give up my rights? You know, and so, I encourage you to do that. Verse 8 says, and, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Jesus is the ultimate servant. He was obedient and willing to humble himself completely. He didn't hold back. He went all the way for you and I. Not only was Jesus willing to lay aside his glory for us, not only was he willing to lower himself and become a man, now Jesus displays the ultimate humility and self-sacrifice. He willingly dies on the cross for us, for my sins for your sins, for the sins of humanity. Christ died on the cross for our sins. We wouldn't have to face eternal judgment and death. And he did that out of obedience to the Father and because of his great love for us. It's incredible when you think about what he did. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen, somebody. Death on a cross was a form of capital punishment that the Romans used for notorious criminals. I want you to understand what, how bad this was. It was excruciatingly painful and humiliating. No other form of death, no matter how prolonged or physically agonizing, could max, match crucifixion as an absolute destruction of the person. How amazing it is that the perfect man, the man without sin, should die a criminal's death so that we would not have to face eternal punishment. 
Praise the Lord for his grace and his mercy. Verse 9, the rest of this passage here, I'm going to read. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Christ lowered himself, God lifted him up. Because Jesus humbled himself to the point of death on the cross, God exalted him to the highest place. New King James Version says God highly exalted him. The word for highly exalted means to lift up and suggest an exaltation to the highest position, elevation above all others. And because of Christ's obedience, God exalted him that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Praise God. That means at the last judgment, all will acknowledge Jesus is Lord, whether willingly or not. In Luke chapter 14, verse 11, Jesus says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And there's a basic biblical principle here that says if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. But if we exalt ourselves, God will humble us. Say that again, there's a basic biblical principle that says if we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. But if we exalt ourselves, if we're prideful, God will humble us. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather humble myself than have to have the Lord humble me. I don't think you want that. And I need to ask you, what areas in your life is God challenging you to humble yourself so that he can lift you up? So many of us waste time being self-protective because we don't trust God to lift us up. So we try to protect our reputations, our positions. We struggle to trust God with those things and trust Him to lift us up in due time. I've got news for you. If you know the Lord, He's got your back. He'll protect your rep. Jesus is our role model. Jesus chose to lay aside his divine form and adopt the lowly form of a man, even as a man. He didn't choose wealth, power, worldly position. Rather, he became a servant, and he died the death of a criminal. In everything, he humbled himself, trusting God to exalt him and establish his name. In the same way, God may call us to lay aside our rights and privileges so valued in our culture. And like Jesus... Like Jesus, we need to willingly be willing to give up our rights, humbling, serving others, trusting God to lift us up in due time. So as I prepare to close, I want to challenge you to be willing to humble yourself in difficult situations, trusting God to lift you up. I'm going to prepare to close this in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that heaven isn't for good people. Heaven's for forgiven people. Lord God, you've shaken the world during this crisis. You've shaken the city of Chicago. You've taught us that you are not, that we are not in control of things. And you've greatly humbled our nation, and you're continuing to humble our nation. Lord, I pray for those that are listening this is message and uh, brothers and sisters if you're listening to this message 
I want to challenge you to surrender your life to Christ. The reality is that all of us are sinners. All of us are in need of grace and mercy. God already knows who we are. He just asks for us to humbly come to Him and admit who we are. Admit that we're sinners. Admit that we don't have control. We, we sin in what we do. We sin in what we don't do. Or what we ought to do that we don't do. And I'm challenging you to repent. Repent means to just make a U-turn. To turn to God. To admit that you're a sinner. And to ask Him for forgiveness of your sins. And He will do that. God says that we're going to come before Him when we die. All of us are going to die at some point. And all of us are in sinners in need of grace and mercy. But I, I don't know about you, but when I die and come before the Lord, I don't want justice. I want mercy. I want mercy for everyone listening to this message. God loves you. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. For I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh. When I was your foe, still you love fought for me. So good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so
No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't tear down, lie you won't kick down, coming after me. There's no mountain you won't climb up, shadow you won't light up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't tear down, line you won't get down, going after me. All the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, he chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves and night. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it Still you gave yourself away Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Philip, thank you for that amazing song, and Lord, we thank the Lord for His amazing love for us. You really captured it. Let's. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your, your reckless love, your amazing love for us. And Lord, how we see it lived out in the passage that we've read through today. We, we pray we would be like you, that we would be humble like you, that we would live these things out in our lives, and that we would serve as you served us, and uh, that we'd be a servant to others in our, in our, our sphere, our, our family, our friends, our community. So, Lord, as we go out today, uh, as we leave, uh, Lord, we are on mission for you. So we pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us and, and put us in people's paths that you would have us reach out and, and lead to you so that they might know you, so that they might walk with you as well. And we give you the glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Members, I just want to encourage you just to stay around a few moments. We have a very quick update. Um, and God bless you.